0: And I thought this morning as I was getting ready to come today uh, that it was kind of a cruel irony that on Mother's Day I'm teaching you about the Great Tribulation. So uh, those of you that are moms, isn't that just kind of ironic? Uh, We've been walking through the book of Revelation the last several weeks. And if you're joining us for the first time or if you've been away for a while, I'm calling this message series The End of the World. And we're getting into some pretty wild stuff. Today I am talking about the tribulation period. And uh, we're covering this week from the book of Revelation. If you've been reading ahead with us, we're covering chapters 13 and 14, as well as 17 and 18. And I, I think that last week I forgot to tell you to read ahead to chapters 17 and 18. I'm covering that this week just slightly, uh, but if you miss that, you can catch up, and, and I don't think you'll have any trouble following along. Uh, but this is a period of time that the Book of Revelation predicts will come upon the earth that we have called the Tribulation period, and uh, and this period of time is going to be characterized by deception. Deception. Have you ever been lied to? Anybody ever been lied to? Has ever, anybody ever told a lie? Okay, my hand is up. I've told a lie. <laughs> Isn't being lied to one of the worst things that ever happens to you? Uh, being deceived just feels like such an incredible violation. Chris and I were talking in the car yesterday as we were traveling about different uh, times in our marriage that we have experienced someone lying to us. And it's happened quite frequently. It's amazing how many people in churches lie to their pastors. (laughs) But I won't tell you about that. Um, (laughs) Last fall, Chris and I decided to have a garage sale, and we were getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And so uh, we got everything priced and put out tables on our our driveway, and, and we opened up early on a Saturday morning, ready to sell all of our stuff. We thought we'd make a couple hundred dollars, and it'd be just really peachy to get a little bit of money for our junk. You know how that is, right? And a lot of you are the people that buy junk from people like me, Um, garage sale freaks, yeah, okay, some of you are, Um, and I just really, I, I think having a garage sale is kind of fun, and it's fun to turn your junk into cash, all that stuff, right? Well, this particular morning, it was early fall, and this particular morning, for whatever reason... I don't know what, what else was going on in town, but we had no traffic whatsoever. And I've, I've done garage sales for a lot of years. I come from a garage sale family, so I know how to do it. But I was mystified why nobody was coming to our sale. But it was just one of those Saturdays, right? And so we sat there, and we sat there drinking coffee and waiting for people to come. And after about two hours... We had sold just a handful of things, and the highest ticketed price thing that I had sold was about $25. Somebody had bought a, a big area rug, a nice rug, for $25. I thought it should have been like 100 but they gave me 25 I was just glad to get anything, right, because there was just no traffic. And so I was getting frustrated, and, and, and finally this, this van drives up, and there's about four people that jump out of the van, and... Uh, and they start going through our things, and they're just looking at everything so meticulously. And finally, this lady comes up to me, and she has a $1 item, and she says, I'd like to buy this. And she hands me a $5 bill. So I took her $5 bill, and I put it into my money bag, and I gave her $4 change. And she says, oh, honey, I gave you a 20 and I said, "No, you gave me a five. And she said, "No, I, I gave you a 20. I just came from the bank. all I have is 20s, and she fanned out all these 20s that she had in an envelope from the bank. And I knew she gave me a five dollar bill, but I wasn't going to argue with her, and, and I always have, you know I always have this thing in the back of my mind. What if I make a big stink and somebody comes to my church? You know I mean, uh, you know, I, I just have to think about those things, right? I didn't want to offend her, so I got in my Got in my bag and I'd given her four, so I gave her 15 more dollars change, and she went driving away and Chris said, "Russ, I know you only have one $20 bill in your bag because that guy came earlier and bought the rug for 20 bucks. so I got in my bag, and sure enough, there was only 120. She had tricked me. And, um, and, and as we started talking about it, we just became convinced she's probably going from sale to sale to sale with this scam. She's making quite a good living, right, with that scam because she was brilliant. She was brilliant. If I would left her $5 bill on my table, you know, I could have proved it, but I couldn't prove it. And, and I was deceived. Have you ever been deceived like that? Don't you feel violated? I mean, it really, it really kind of ticked me off. And it made at that point, I just said, girls, Nikki Stubbs with us, us, I said, girls, we're packing up and going to breakfast. So we we boxed everything up, went to Goodwill, dropped it off, and then we went to Main Street over easy and spent about $35 on breakfast, (laughs) which was twice as much as we had brought in, right? But deception is something that really hits home for most of us, and I think it probably hits home for you. Sometimes... When we're deceived, we feel stupid, right? You feel, how could I fall for that stupid trick? Why Why would I believe that person when they said that to me? Or or sometimes it just makes us angry. Sometimes when we're deceived, we suffer the consequences of the deception. And when we suffer the de- the consequences of deception, then it really hits close to home. And that's why... Uh, It's so important that we go after our blessing in Revelation because you and I need to know the truth if we're going to be ready to withstand the deception that is coming upon the whole world. And if you know much about biblical prophecy at all, you will know that it's already started in our world. Do you know that? The great deception has already started, and so we need to be aware of what's happening. Now, if you've got your Bibles this morning or if you use an electronic device, uh, I'd like you to turn to the book of Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to read a little bit of these chapters that I'm covering today. And uh, as you're doing that, let me give you some keys to understanding this part of Revelation that we call the tribulation period. If you've been studying along with me, you've read all the stuff about the dragon and the beast, and then there's another beast. And if you got into Revelation chapter 17, you find uh, the, the city Babylon that's called a prostitute or a whore, depending upon your translation of the Bible. And there's all these images, and it's also apocalyptic. It can be a little bit difficult to understand. But actually, if you're diligent and you pay attention to what you're reading... The Bible really gives us a pretty clear picture of what's happening if we connect the dots. So here's some keys to understanding. If you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. Here's number one. Let the Bible speak for itself. This is critical when you're trying to figure out what's happening here in the book of Revelation. Lots of people have tried to say, well, The dragon represents this and the beast represents this, but they're not paying attention to what the Bible says. The beauty of these prophecies that we're looking at is that the writer of the prophecies tells us exactly what these things mean. So before you go off on some tangent or trying to find somebody else to tell you what this means, let the Bible speak for itself because it's really very clear. Uh, Other parts of the Bible give a lot of insight, and I'm going to be talking about some of this today. For example, example, the book of Daniel, starting in chapter 7 is a parallel passage of Scripture that gives us a lot of insight into what the book of Revelation is talking about. It's incredible. The book of Daniel was written hundreds of years before the book of Revelation, and yet it describes the same events and gives us more clarity. And so when we put those two books together, we get a pretty clear picture. Matthew 24 is another parallel passage prophecy that Jesus spoke that also relates to this tribulation period. So let the Bible speak for itself. Secondly, you need to understand that these prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. These prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. There's lots of people that have said that the book of Revelation is just history written after the fact, and yet when you really investigate it, Revelation does not accurately describe any period of time in in the historical record. And so I've come to the conclusion, and those of you that have studied probably have as well, that the book of Revelation, at least this part, is still future. These things are yet going to happen. And I believe that these events are going to happen with remarkable accuracy. Why? The reason being is that all of the prophecies in the Bible that related to Jesus were fulfilled with remarkable accuracy. And so we can expect that the prophecies of Revelation and Daniel and Matthew 24 will also be fulfilled with great, great uh, accuracy. Then the third thing I want you to know this morning, keys to understanding, is this. Don't let fear get the best of you. Don't let fear get the best of you. I want to remind you what we read in Revelation chapter 1 a few weeks ago. Jesus said this, don't be afraid. Would you just say that out loud with me? Don't be afraid. He said, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. Now listen. I haven't been quick to teach on the book of Revelation, and many of you have told me that pastors of churches that you've been in before have refused to teach on the book of Revelation. I'll tell you why it's hard for us to teach on the book of Revelation. It's because it scares people to death, okay? And especially when we get to this part, I'm going to be talking about deception, A lot of people get all freaked out. Oh, we're being deceived. The church is in deception. And then they run out of the church because Connect Church is deceived. And then they They say, all the churches in Bozeman are in deception. I'm the only one that knows the truth. And they get all freaked out because everybody is deceived. Okay, Let me tell you this, I, I'm going I'm to share with you today, you don't need to be afraid of deception, you just need to know the truth, it's that simple. You need to be filled with the spirit of Jesus, and you need to know the truth, and then you won't be deceived, so you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to freak out. In fact, you know what, I'm kind of excited for these things to happen, because when this all happens, we're going to be with Jesus, and it's going to be incredible. So there's no reason to be afraid. You got it? Don't be afraid. Okay, those are the keys to understanding these things. Now, let me share with you some things that are happening in these chapters. Here's what's happening in these chapters. If you didn't get a chance to read them, I'll just kind of give you an overview, and then you might be inspired this week to catch up and read these chapters from the book of Revelation. Now, in chapters 13 and 14, as well as 17 and 18, this is a prophecy of the seven-year tribulation period just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. Seven-year period that we call the tribulation. I'm going to have a chart for you in just a moment. Uh, but before we get to that, here's a couple of key things you need to know. When it talks about a dragon in Revelation, I think it's actually in Revelation 12 that the dragon is described, the dragon represents Satan. Satan. And the writer of Revelation tells us that very clearly. The dragon represents Satan. So although he's telling us kind of a fantastic story, that dragon is always depicting Satan. And then there's a beast that arises out of the sea in Revelation 13. And this beast represents the revived Roman Empire. And the reason I know that is because the book of Daniel describes something identical to it, and Daniel tells us that this is the revived Roman Empire. It's very, very clear from the book of Daniel. And this first beast represents this revived Roman Empire, a one-world government, and it also represents that governmental leader that we commonly call the Antichrist. So that's who the first beast is. Now, later on in chapter 13, we see a second beast coming out of the land, and this second beast represents a one-world religion that will rule along with the Antichrist. In chapter 17 of Revelation, we will read about the prostitute Babylon, and that also represents this one-world religion. So we have Satan the dragon, we have the revived Roman Empire, the first beast, and we have the one world religion, which is the second beast. And these three powers have been called the unholy trinity. Maybe you've heard that phrase. It's kind of been popular, like in heavy metal music and that kind of stuff. People are kind of fascinated with the unholy trinity. And if you think about it, it corresponds perfectly to the holy trinity. Satan is the counterpart to God the Father. The one world government is the counterpart to Jesus who will reign as king of kings And the one world religion would be the counterpart to the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ, right? And so this is what we call the unholy trinity. Now here's what we see from Revelation 13 and 14. At the beginning of the tribulation, and here's a chart that maybe will help you. Uh, At the beginning of the tribulation, this seven-year period of time, the book of Daniel tells us, that the Antichrist will make a covenant with the Jewish people. And I talked a few weeks ago about how Revelation is so focused on what happens to the Jews as they come to know Jesus as their Messiah. Daniel tells us that there's going to be a covenant between the one world government and the Jewish people. Temple worship will be restored in Jerusalem. And the gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed, and many, many people, Jews and Gentiles, will be saved during this tribulation period. It's really awesome to read some of this stuff about people coming to know Jesus. Unfortunately, there's also going to be this tremendous persecution, and many, many people will be martyred because of their faith in Jesus. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. Now, so... Uh, There's a covenant at the beginning of the tribulation, and then at the halfway mark, three and a half years, the Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel and will set up an image of himself to be worshipped in the Jewish temple. Daniel calls this the abomination of desolation. So when you're reading through the book of Revelation and you read the phrases time, times, and half a time, that's referring to three and a half years, or uh, there's a number of days, that's three and a half years. These are all synonyms for the same period of time. The tribulation lasts seven years. The great tribulation is after this desecration of the temple. At that point when the temple is desecrated by the Antichrist, The government begins massive persecution against anyone who will not worship the image of the Antichrist. Now, there's a lot of stuff here. If you've read, your mind might just be spinning. I want to distill it down to two important things you need to walk away knowing today, okay? Just a couple of things you need to know before you leave this place today. The first one is this. You need to know that a one-world government will rule everyone. A one-world government is coming, according to the Bible, and it will rule everyone. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, let's read just a part of this chapter from 13, starting at verse 5. It's also up on the screen. Here's what we read. And the beast, this first beast, which represents a one-world government, was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. That's the three and a half years. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints, And to conquer them. The saints are that group of people that have put their faith in Jesus. Jews and Gentiles. And the Antichrist is making war on them. All authority was given the beast over every tribe and people and language and nation. That's the one world part. And all who dwell on the earth. Do you remember from a few weeks ago? These are the people on earth who are not putting their faith in Jesus. These are the people who are apart from God. All who dwell on the earth will worship it, comma, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. I think I got an extra word in there somewhere. But you're with me. All right. So the one world government comes. The Antichrist demands that everybody worship him And this is what's incredible about the deception, is anyone who is not following Jesus bows the knee and worships this one-world governmental leader. A one-world government will rule everyone. This is during this tribulation period. Now, here's the second thing I want you to know today. Number two, a one-world religion will attempt to deceive everyone. A one-world religion will attempt to deceive everyone everyone let's keep reading from revelation 13 starting at verse 11 he says then i saw another beast rising out of the earth it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon what that means is it's going to have this appearance of gentleness it may even have a very churchy appearance because jesus we know him to be the lamb of god But his speech, the speech of this one-world religion, will be inspired by Satan because Satan is the dragon. You with me? Okay. Verse 12. It exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people, And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth. These are the ones that have not followed Jesus. Telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. There's a lot of information in there. I'm not going to pick it all apart. It's just critical that we know that there is a one world religion coming that will attempt to deceive everyone. You with me? Here's the point. Here's the point of my message today. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived this one world religion is going to lay a foundation that will be so convincing that if you don't know the truth about Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you will be deceived into worshiping this false religion. Now, I can see that in our world, we're already moving in this direction. Things are changing rapidly. And if you're paying attention to what's happening in our world, things are changing rapidly. When I grew up, And many of you who are my age, you will remember uh, atheism and humanism was the dominant philosophy that was in the educational system that we were taught, that many, many people were adhering to. It seemed like religion and faith was just dying out because of humanism and because of atheism. Now, those things haven't gone away, but in our world, there's a new philosophy that like a wave is overtaking our culture, and that philosophy is called postmodernism. How many of you have ever heard of postmodernism? It's it's a huge philosophy that's taking place in our world today, and one of the hallmarks of postmodernism is an increased awareness and a hunger for spirituality, Instead of the old philosophy that atheism is the truth, today uh, our, our young people are being educated and we are being told that there is a spiritual realm, but all roads lead to God. This is one of the fundamental things, one of the fundamental deceptions that is at work in our world today. All roads lead to God. And listen, friends, it's a lie. It's not true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Another big part of postmodern philosophy is that there is no absolute truth. Your truth is good for you. My truth is good for me. That's a fundamental tenet of postmodernism. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is absolute truth, and if we're going to be on guard against deception, we have to know the truth. And friends, it's coming. The deception is coming like a tidal wave in our, in our world, and we can't afford to be deceived. Let me read a couple more verses to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, For that day will not come unless there is a great rebellion against God, And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself, this is the Antichrist, and will defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. This is deception. Verse 9 says, This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept what? The truth that would save them. Friends, don't be deceived. Matthew 24, the words of Jesus, says this. Jesus said for false messiahs, And false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. The purpose of the spirit of Antichrist that's already at work in this world is to bring deception to you and to bring deception to me. Now listen, I want to go back to those keys to understanding this. You don't need to be afraid. I'm not trying to freak you out here today. I just want you to know that it's coming and we need to be on guard and you need to know the truth. So what do you do? What action points can I give you that will guard you against this deception? Let me give you two and then our third next step. Will be uh, to go after your blessing. But here's the first thing. If you don't want to be deceived, this is critical. You must be born again. You must be born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus uses this metaphor of being born spiritually to describe what happens when we come to Jesus, we receive his love and his forgiveness. And then it's like we're born completely anew. We have a new nature. We have a new mind. We're renewed from the inside out, okay? And when you're born again, everything changes. And this is what's really cool, is when you're filled with the Spirit of Christ, when you're born again, you will begin to hunger truth. You're going to be wanting to read your Bible, you're gonna be saturated with, with the word of God. It just happens naturally because that's what born again people do. And so you don't have to be afraid of being deceived. You just need to be born again and let Jesus give you this new nature and then follow him faithfully on the path he leads you to. Be born again. Make sense? Then number two is this, get to know truth. Get to know truth. If you're one of the people sitting here in this room today and and you've been duped into believing that there is no such thing as absolute truth, I want to challenge you to begin asking real questions about that philosophy. Really? Do you really believe that there is no absolute truth? Do you really think that nothing can be proven, that nothing can be seen or felt or experienced? Um, The Bible is an ancient document that is so full of wisdom that comes from the holy breath of God that if you will begin to read it and absorb it and learn it, you'll find that the truth can be known. Get to know it you're not a regular Bible reader, I want to challenge you. You need to pick up your Bible every day. You need to be reading and absorbing and memorizing it so you will be on guard when the great deception comes. Again, not to scare you, but to just warn you that a deception is coming and you need to know the truth. Years ago, I heard a uh, a preacher preaching on this this stuff, and and he said, how, how do bank tellers spot a counterfeit bill? Debbie, you work in a bank, right? Do you handle money? I have, yes. Some, okay. Uh, can you spot a counterfeit like this? Because you handle money all the time, right? The way you spot a counterfeit is you know what's real, okay? Now, counterfeit Counterfeiters change their tactics all the time. They change their paper. They change their printers. They're always messing with it to find a new way to fool people into thinking that this $100 bill is not a fake. But people who handle the real thing all the time won't be duped. And it's sa- the same thing with spiritual truth, friends. If you know the truth, you won't be deceived. You'll spot it like a fake $100 bill in a bank teller's hands. All right? All right? Get to know truth, all right? Be born again. Get to know truth. Lastly, if you're, if you're on board with us, I want to encourage you to keep going after your blessing. We've got three weeks left in this message series. And uh, next week I'm going to be teaching you on the return of Christ. I haven't yet talked much about the rapture. And I'll be talking about that as well. On that chart that I showed you, you saw the rapture happening at the beginning of the tribulation, the second coming of Christ coming at the second, end, at the end of that tribulation. Again, I've shared with you these are open-hand things. This is what I observe in Scripture. Other people see it timed a little bit differently. But I'll be sharing with you uh, what Revelation says about the second coming of Christ, which is crystal clear. And I'll be sharing with you what I see in the book of Thessalonians about the rapture, which is a very, very exciting event that we can all put our hope in. So I hope you'll be here next week. Uh, you can read uh, chapter, where am I at? Chapter 19. And catch up with 17 and 18 if you didn't read those already. Okay. Don't be deceived. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be deceived. Okay. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, stop lying. (laughs) Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, John tells us that you came to him on the island of Patmos to give him this revelation. And I believe that you did that, Jesus, because you care so deeply about us. You care so deeply about the human beings that you created, that you loved, that you died for, that you wanted us to be forewarned and forearmed so that we would not be duped by the deception of the coming age. Jesus, thank you for this revelation. Thank you for the blessing that comes as we hear it and read it and obey it. And Jesus, I want to pray today for every person within the sound of my voice that you will fill us, Jesus, with your life. For those of us that have not yet bowed the knee you, Jesus, I pray that right now you will draw us to come to you and to be born again. Change us, Lord, body, mind, and soul. Change us. Give us new life. Give us new insight. Give us new passions. And give us a renewed mind that is committed to truth. And Jesus, as we read the Bible, as we study, Will you fill us with your spirit of understanding so that we can be on guard against all deception? And Jesus, we pray this in your powerful name. Now, just before we move on this morning, I'd like to lead you in a prayer today. And I want to ask all of you just to repeat this prayer out loud. And this morning, if you realize you need to be born again, you need this new nature that Jesus gives you, would you pray this from the deepest place inside of you uh, as, as we all pray this together? Would you repeat after me? Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be born again. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have acted in rebellion. I ask you, Jesus, to wash me clean. Thank you for dying for me. I receive the new birth you have for me. Thank you, Jesus.